Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. All right, second, I'm just... Recording started. Hey guys, welcome this week to the Matrix Discussion Group call. And we're just going to kind of have a free-for-all chit-chat tonight, which we've already started doing. And this being a 9-11 anniversary, I figure people will probably have plenty to talk about. As long as we uh, try and keep the topics, how would we say, um, disguised in a way, because just certain things they don't like people talking about. This channel isn't that big. I mean, there's, I don't know, a thousand people or so. And so you wouldn't think it would matter that much. But, and you, you think they'd be going after these channels with 20, 30, 40,000 subscribers. And some of those channels, you're hearing them talk about things that a year ago would have had your channel eliminated. But they have no problem discussing those topics today. But uh, on a couple of episodes I've done, if those words are even just briefly mentioned once or twice, boom, they freaking strike that video. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, a thousand subs or 40,000 subs. Um, I don't know what their algorithm does. I don't know how it really operates or how it distinguishes one channel from another, but it is what it is. So anyway, uh, we're talking about the, melting point of aluminum and uh, I think Joe asked something about like say simulation um, I've heard in the past people talk about this realm really being like um, a hologram and that's the way it operated and I kind of had a few difficulties with that but the past few months I've been thinking about that word simulation and in simulations, one of the things you're going to see in a simulation, uh, because it involves data, and through data, you're always going to find things that repeat. You're going to see patterns. And I remember a statement by Mark Twain where he said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And so I've been you know, thinking about that idea of patterns and thinking about, you know, the idea of simulation. And I would say to a degree, the past few months, I've been really slowly starting to lean towards the idea of some type of simulation. Uh, I don't know if it's a simulation as, you know, our minds commonly think of what a simulation is. And I think it's probably outside of that idea. I think the picture is a lot bigger than that. But, yeah, Joe, I, I do lean in the direction of some type of simulation. I don't know if you're still there. I, don't, I think John's still with us here. Yeah, but it's all, it's all simulations. Every, everything you see on TV could be a simulation. Might not be, though. And that's the trick. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of real stories 
car accidents, those happen. You know, motorbikes, unfortunately, but it's so hard to tell what's real and what isn't. Yeah, and and you know, and looking at patterns and paying attention to patterns uh, with the recent passing away of Her Majesty, uh, whether it happened now or I think there's also some evidence that it actually could have happened in January. And it's starting to try and just look at things. And when you look at patterns, I mean, they aren't going to be to the minute or to the hour or to the day. But they're going to be basically within a year, you know. And so with Her Majesty's passing away, and I've been trying to think of other events very similar to that that you could look at and then draw a pattern out from there. I think that would be an interesting little bit of research to do. Mm. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot of similarities over the years. If you look at the like the just the death of Elvis, like the King of Pop, or no, what was he? The King of Rock and Roll. He died on August 16th, right, in 1977. The Queen of Soul, August 16th, 2018, same day. King died on August 16th. The Queen died on August 16th. What are the chances of that? Yeah. And if yeah. you look at like Einstein and uh, Stephen Hawking, they're they're dying and uh, I mean their their birthday and, and death dates are like they're all the same. It's like you know they do this all the time. Well, there's also I think on July 4th. I think there's a lot of notable people that d died on. July 4th as well as far as say founders of the USA and that I'm not going to name any of them for fear I could be wrong on one or two of them but uh, there was at least I think four or five of them that I found that all died on July 4th and I thought huh how interesting is that and that goes back to that idea of simulation mm -hmm. yeah and I think yeah, chronology, we're talking about there. I, I think chronology of events uh, does point very much in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the sun's got something to do with all this, too. I mean, there's a lot of secret sun worship going on. And, uh, you know, this is... Right. You know, they don't tell you this in the news, either, that... Uh, the, the sun has always been a, a focal point of of worship <clears throat> going back even with Egypt and maybe even a little bit before the, the uh, ancient days of Egypt and, and the pharaohs a couple thousand years ago 1500 years ago but I, I don't I, I think a lot of things are masked um, outwardly on an exoteric level. It, it may be looking at the sun. Everything is, people are worshiping the sun. Things are revolving around the sun, that kind of idea. Uh, but I think what we're seeing exoterically um, is actually just a mask for something in the esoteric, something that's kind of hidden behind the scenes that is only privy to a few people that 
have really done any scholarly work or or been you know part of say a mystery religion or something like that yeah uh, with, with christianity you know you've got the son of god you know uh, which could be just a mask again for you know that planet of the sun mm -hmm. if there is such a thing yeah, I mean, we're on a solar calendar. I mean, most people don't know that, but it should be 13 months at 28 days each. And I think only parts of Ethiopia actually honor that. As far as I know, you know, the only country that honors the real calendar. So, yeah, I mean, it's sun worship is very, very, very powerful. I mean, look at all your, your uh, logos in the, of the NFL and. Coca-Cola has got red, and McDonald's has got the yellow and the in 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 the red, just everywhere. Yeah, I agree. If if you can turn up your volume, John, or get a little closer to the mic or something okay. like that, is that better? That's a little bit better. I just want to be able to hear you better that way. I don't like accidentally step on you. And at the same time, the lines are open. Anybody else want to jump in with anything? Any great revelations of knowledge that you've come across recently? Go for it. Um, I, mean, I just thought it was kind of interesting the other day. I mean, I've been pondering this for a while since the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And because we know everything they do, you know, isn't only for one reason. It's normally for multiple reasons. So I was trying to think of what some of those multiple reasons of Roe v. Wade would be. And I think it's interesting that many people know of uh, a lot of people who are going on a permanent vacation from a vacation they took a few months ago. <laughs> and population could be going down because of that. You know, and, if, and if people were to like look at a chart or whatever and say, gosh, how come at this point in history, population sharply went down worldwide. And especially if they're like just looking specifically at the United States. But though with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that might help offset that problem a little bit. And it's just something I thought was kind of curious. Wasn't Roe v. Wade my body, my choice? Right. Well, that's another aspect of it, too, is, is the whole my body, my choice thing. Because here in the last couple of years, a lot of people have been kind of wave, waving their finger going, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute here. My body, my choice. You can't force me uh, to participate in any experimental vacations. So... Uh, that could be another aspect of overturning Roe v. Wade. Which would make total sense. And I just want to get rid of the argument somebody might have about one thing by using something else. But I think the more you look at it and the more you dig into it, you know, all of a sudden little light bulbs come off in your head, you know, and you see these connections between on different things that occur. Um, talking about like chronology and and how things happen in cycles, you even look, for instance, at a bankruptcy cycle of the USA. And when when did 
the USA first need to really start, you know, putting their hand out looking for extra money from other countries, uh, which came uh, mostly from Germany and France, I think. Well, it would have been around the time of the Revolutionary War. And you skip ahead another 70 years, and you're going to jump ahead to the point of the Civil War. And at that time, there's, you know, after that, there's more Reconstruction Acts and things like that going on. And that, that was a time really when uh, the banks were saying, hey, you know, we need collateral. We need more collateral for the money you owe. And they wanted to pull the South in as collateral since they were newly acquired territories or states by the U.S. And the South was saying, heck no, we don't want to be part of your debt. Uh, unfortunately, hey, even if you marry somebody and they're a shitload in debt, guess what? You now have just become a shitload in debt. But the South didn't want to accept that idea. And so that didn't really turn out too good for a lot of people. But you jump. 70 years ahead from there and you're in a land in the 1930s and what was going on there another basically reconstruction it was time for the new deal another bankruptcy cycle kicking in and you jump ahead 70 years from the new deal and you land yourself on uh this 9-11 date that we brought up and so you start seeing you know the chronology of these cycles and it really makes you stop and wonder about that simulation theory idea it might be more than just a theory but there's a whole lot of other things that have followed cycles like that too that people could look at through history yep when does the stock market have a problem september october yeah in libra it's always in Libra. The majority of the time it's in Libra. Those are the big ones. Yep. Isn't that isn't that the um the same time of year all the time? Um what is it, Scorpio's time of the horoscopes? Uh, the, uh Libra comes just before Scorpio. Are you looking at uh like September crashes and Libra runs up to, I believe, the 24th of October. I mean, September, I'm sorry. And then after that, that's September, and you're getting in October. And it isn't until towards the end of October that Scorpio comes along. But you look at Libra. Okay, what, what is Libra? Uh, Libra, you're going to see, is the, the woman holding the wheat stalk in her hand. And what happens during Libra? <clears throat> it's the time of harvest. It's the time of reaping the crops, you know, bringing in the harvest. <clears throat> and so when you look at uh, the system that is running monetarily today, because it's a fractional lending system. It's a fractional banking system. That's why they can lend out you know, nine times the amount of money that's been put on deposit. And what happens in a fractional banking system? The way it's created is to expand and contract, expand and contract. It gives out, which would be like the sowing of the seeds, you know, the planting of the seed is giving out. 
and then um, the plants all grow, and then comes Libra, and it's time to harvest. It's time to pull back in, and that's where the system contracts, and it's on that constant cycle, expanding, contracting, expanding, and contracting. And when it contracts, what's it doing? It's just sucking back in. It's making its harvest. It's doing the harvest. It's pulling back everything in uh, from the planting that had been done months earlier. Or in the fractional lending system years earlier. Because if, if you go, like I said, looking at chronology, looking at cycles, you go online and I've shown the uh, diagram that I found of it of recessions in the United States of America and when these recessions occur. And they always occur like every 10 years, spot on. And it, you go back to uh, 2010, what happened at that time? Well, just before that had been the housing bubble. And there was a crash and a recession at that time. And you go back to 2000, what was going on then? There was another recession going on then. I go to 1990, go to 1980, go to 1970, 1960. Every 10 years, there has been a recession. And so you see an example, again, with your eyes, you can see a physical example of this expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. And like I said, a lot of times, it notoriously happens in September during Libra. Well, there's been a couple of recessions that hit like, the 25th or the 26th of October and several that happened in the early part of October. But I mean, it, it just runs in that same pattern over and over. Yeah. 1930, um, great depression, right? That's really when it started, not 29, but right at, right at the top of the decade. Yep. Right down the toilet. Yeah, that, that was that was really the first signs of the engineering of the system that had been set up in 1913. Right, uh, which came which came from the 1860s, right? The National Banking Acts, but you're right, 1913 they they made that system stronger. Right, and it's, it's always been it was hotly contested, uh, even among the founders, you know, and. I believe it was Jefferson that even said that if you've got a central bank, you know, that, that's operated by some other entity, it's that's not a national bank, then your children are going to wake up homeless on the ground that your fathers fought for. Wow. And, and nothing can be further from the truth. I mean, you look at people that are going overseas and fighting, you know, the past 20 years. Uh, only to come home to see that these banks that they've been fighting for have foreclosed on mom and dad's house. And there, there's not even a mantle over the fireplace to set their ashes on if they come back in, a, in an urn, you know. Yeah, can't believe that the, 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 the primary idea of the Fed was to eliminate inflation or greatly reduce it. Look what they did to it, to inflation. It's just the opposite, right? Well, and that's the way everything's always worked. Whenever they say that they're going to do A so that B doesn't happen, 
ultimately every single time it's B that ends up happening anyway. And you're right. That's, that's why the system was set up. It was to ensure that there would never be, you know, a, a huge depression again. They were going to take care of things. Well, the way they take care of things is by, instead of having one big depression hit and devastate the entire country, instead, you're just going to have a mini recession every 10 years and you're just going to get used to it. That's going to be your new normal in the banking world. Yeah. And we just thought it was all different now with computers and the shadow banking system just made it worse. Right. Well, and, and you wait, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it at all because I can see what's really going to occur because they've been setting up the groundwork for 20 some years now on having everything totally centrally controlled. And it started out with doing little nice, easy things like, hey, you know what? You can have direct de uh, deposit done for your electric bill. You can have a direct payment done. You know, that way you don't have to worry about sitting down and writing out a check every month. You know, it's just going to automatically happen. And you can have, you know, you can save money on loans if you go and have direct payments done uh, through the banking account. And it's all done in the name of going paperless. We got to save the trees, right? I remember a number of years ago, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her kids came home from school and they were all excited one day. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And they said, oh, look what we got. And they got cards. And they could use this card when they went and got their school lunch. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If you don't have to show anything any other time. Everybody knows each other. You get a regular lunch. It's no big deal. They're like, yeah, but now we got these cards. It's, you know, this is my own card. And I knew right there, I was like, this is the beginning of a brainwashing system for having everything put on a card to where nobody was going to be used to uh, having money in their pocket anymore. Everybody was just going to have a card. And that way they knew exactly where every little single dollar was coming from and where every little single dollar was going to. And that would give them. A, a total outline, a total map of your life and who you were and what you were about and what you did. And sure enough, that, that's the direction everything's gone in now. And everybody's doing direct payments from an account and they're also getting their paychecks directly deposited to their account. Uh, this was something Dr. Richard Day talked about back in 1969. And people thought that, you know, they looked at him like Medusa. They thought he was a crazy man. What, what do you mean? My paycheck's going to magically appear in my bank account. We all know that's impossible. You know, which at that time just sounded like, you know, a crazy conspiracy theory idea to people. Uh, but to us now, oh, no, that's normal. That can easily be done, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see what the ultimate plan is, really, with having total control of every little single penny. And when I say every little single penny, I mean, I, it's not a, a far stretch from the truth. There's a lot of businesses you go in today, and if you're purchasing with cash, they may tell you, oh, sorry, we, we don't have any change. I, I had, uh, about a week ago, I had 
one cashier even open his drawer and hold it up and show it to me and say, see, there's not even one single penny in there. Hmm. Well, that's why, we what, the, that's why we should have what, these uh, diffused uh, currencies, the different ones you were discussing last week, Brian. We should be using more different types of currencies to make, right. you know, to make it harder for them to centralize. Well, especially, you know, uh, small communities. As uh, Hartford Van Dyke wrote a book, uh, Currencies for Small Communities, and trying to give people a heads up on this and a clue about it. Because that's really what small communities should be doing is creating their own system of of commercial transactions, you know, having their own coupons or whatever, things like that. And there's a few of them that are doing it. People don't really know much about them. They don't even really know they exist, but they do exist out there. And that's the direction people need to head in. But instead, what everybody is told oh, is, you know, oh, this is just the direction things are moving in you know you, you need to get with the times you know what i mean well no you're not supposed to be getting with the times now you're supposed to be operating from a standpoint of self-determination and deciding for yourself how you're going to conduct your business instead of just doing what everybody else does like a lemming you know i've seen yep. you know if you talk about get with the times i've seen the direction the times have been heading in just looking at history over the years, and I don't really like the direction that the times are moving in. Yep. Just it's just Orwellian predictions coming true. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it, it's a good meme that's out there, Orwell. And he's saying, didn't you read my book? And weren't you listening to me? I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It was probably predicted before him, but he did a good job at telling, telling everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's been predicted by others. I mean, there, there's things that have been written even back to the first century that you go and read. And it's like, you, you would think it's been written within the past couple of years. Wow. The struggle is real, and it has never changed. The only thing that changes with the struggle are the names and the headlines. The struggle's always been the same. Yeah. There's, I think, I think it's in the maybe the second chapter of the Corpus Hermeticum. Uh, talks about Hermes, uh, Trismegistus, the trice great, the three times great. Uh, there's a page in there. I think it's in the second chapter. And he's talking about reality. And it's basically a teacher uh, teaching a student about life. And he's talking about reality and saying it in many ways, but the gist of it is that what you see isn't really real. It's all just kind of a game put in front of you. Everything is fake. Nothing is real. And it's like, wow, how true is that? 
And that was a writing from at least at least the first or second century, if not earlier. I, I think it was probably written earlier, but it's been ascribed to have been written in the first or second century. Uh, I, I think it was written earlier myself because there's so many sections of that book. Because like I said, it's, it's a teacher teaching a pupil, teaching a student, a young man about life. And there's so many sections in there that when you read it, it it's talking about the carnality of man and how man is at his core very carnal he's self-centered devious and i remember when i first read it i was reading like sentences that i swore i'm like oh my gosh um the apostle paul totally plagiarized this book uh either that or this book you know plagiarized paul one of the two like I said, I, I have a feeling that this book, uh, the original manuscripts of it was written prior to the times of the first century. And because this would have been exactly the type of textbooks that Gamaliel would have been having his students read. And as Paul claims, having been a student of Gamaliel, that means he would have read this. And like I say, you read so many parts of that book that just totally mirror the writings of the self-proclaimed apostle Paul, which I find interesting that apostle Paul, you know, wrote more about other issues and topics totally apart from anything Yeshua taught. Yeshua's teachings were not the same teachings as what Paul was teaching. I, I don't think that Yeshua even taught grace. I think grace was an invention of Paul. And if anybody if anybody was to need grace the most, it would have been Paul. <laughs> wow. That, that's really interesting how far back those books are. Well, I'm going to have to look those up. Because uh, if Paul learned from them, I mean, we all can, I guess, in, in a sense. You know? Yeah, Absolutely. But, I, you know, when I talk about connecting the dots, you stop and look at the churches, and the churches teach you to not read any extra biblical texts. Just stick with the Bible. That's all you need. Just stick with the Bible. Everything you need is right there. You don't need to read any of this other stuff. And when you start reading some of this other stuff and start seeing parallels to the Bible, it's like, oh, that's why they don't want you reading other stuff. They don't want you to know where some of these ideas came from. Right. Like I said, you know, Paul was best known, if you listen to the churches today, he was best known for persecuting the Christians, which they didn't even exist at, at his time. That word wasn't even used. It wasn't even used until maybe the late first century. And if you read Acts, I might be chapter 19, where he's in front of the council trying to defend himself. He, he talks about how he was persecuting followers of the way. But churches today don't teach anything about the way. Uh, most people have never even heard of it. I didn't hear about it until long after I was out of school and away from the constant indoctrination of the church. And the way was the message that James was teaching, the brother of Jesus. And he says right there, Paul 
says in his own words that he was persecuting followers of the way. He never mentions persecuting Christians. That is a, a Pauline doctrine, a Romanized doctrine of today's churches that they've come up with. It, and it's always kind of confused me. It's like, why do, you know, don't these pastors read the Bible? Don't they read what Paul said? Because Paul talks about persecuting followers of the way, which was very different from the Christianity people know of today. Christianity people know of today, to me, was a Pauline doctrine. It was a Pauline-infused version of the way, which is exactly what they needed at that time because the message of the way was leading people away from the Judaism of that age. And they didn't like it. And Rome didn't like it either. People have to remember that these Sadducees and Pharisees and all these scribes, uh, they just weren't figures of the church, but they also held positions in the Roman government. And I think that's something that's not taught to a lot of people. Well, when you realize that, then you can see how Rome naturally would have used the Judaism of that time to morph and change the teachings of the way. The apostles went to, the disciples went to Yeshua, if you read the book of Thomas, they ask, you know, what do we do when you're gone? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go? And Yeshua said, go to James the just, because for him, earth was created. If you want to know what to do, go to my brother James. And James was teaching the way, which is what Yeshua said he was. He was the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm. It's interesting. There was a document that was written by the Vatican. I believe it had to do with trying to come together um, with the Lutherans. And I can't remember the exact name of that document now. It's like eight, nine words long. But they, they tucked into the name of that document the words, the way. And I remember when I read that, I thought, oh, isn't that convenient? You know, the, the hijacking is still going on. <laughs> Lex, Lex Luther. So it sounds like it's something that we don't really want too much of. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luther was a big fan of Paul's too. Uh, he said it was Book of Romans that turned him around, changed his mindset. But. And you know, a lot of people point to Luther and, and talk about, you know, when you talk about a separation from the Vatican, they, they point at Luther. Luther was not pushing a separation from the Vatican. What he started was the Reformation movement. He wanted to do some reforms in it. He didn't want to abolish it or get rid of it or start something new. He just wanted to get rid of some of the aspects of it that he didn't agree with, such as the indulgences, mm. which was essentially carried on in the Roman government. And we know it today as paying bail to keep you out of jail. 
you know, same as indulgences, you know, paying money to keep loved ones out of hell. <laughs> yeah. Same concept. But, yeah, Luther wasn't teaching anything regarding separation. He was teaching Reformation. And there was a separatist movement. In fact, they were called the separatists that sprouted off from that. But they kind of fizzled away. Some of them still exist, but very, very small numbers. So today, what we have, instead of reformists, we have what's called Protestants. Which, if you're a Protestant, what are you doing? You're protesting. You're protesting what you don't agree with with the church. Or, you know, you go to the Capitol to protest against your government, you know. <clears throat> well, you protest all you want, you know. Uh, you go back home, you're still a citizen of that government. So, yeah. And it's the same thing with being a Protestant. Now, uh, even the Pope has referred to the Protestants as our sister church. So he doesn't even believe that there was truly a separation. It wasn't a separatist movement. It just started out as a reformist movement and they kind of switched names to a Protestant movement. Well, yeah. The pilgrims were said to be separatists, but they ended up coming here to make money. They really weren't that religious. Right. Yeah. They, they came to make money, make profit, and uh, they came here also as indentured servants to the king. That They were using land from land grants, land grants from the king. And they were to grow products on the land and send those products back to England so the king could make money. Just to extract raw materials. That's what the whole thing was, right? At least the whole yeah. idea of America. You know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, through history, that's what's happened every time when one country goes into another country. Their main reason for it really is normally the resources. They want to exploit the resources of that land. Yeah. That land might be rich in coal, might be rich in gold and silver, or might be rich in diamonds. Fur skin, wood, timber. Fur skin, or might be rich in oil. That's always been a real popular one. But what did they, they didn't need oil, though, a lot back then, though, did they? No, that, that's more of a modern thing, but it just yeah. goes along with the concept of exploiting the resources of the land. Oh, yeah. That, that was one of the things that got people upset with Maduro. It was because in Venezuela, he went and nationalized all of the oil and booted out all these big conglomerations, <laughs> these big corporations from other countries and stuff. So now we're nationalizing, uh, nationalizing the oil. So it, the money is going to go to the people and you can have a small percentage, but you're not raping us anymore. Right. And yeah, I, I thought it was interesting as well. Here several years ago, 
one of the things that happened with Trump uh, at the onset of this um, boogeyman that's been around, he went and started nationalizing businesses to make different products to help ward against the boogeyman. And when I, when I saw Trump nationalizing these businesses, I was like, oh, my God. And this is a guy everybody thinks is a hero. And they don't understand how dangerous it can be within a communist-type system when you start nationalizing businesses. As you're, you're taking it out of the hands of the people. Uh, that's employing um, the people of an area, you know, you're, you're going and you're sucking up that resource away from people. And it's always done in the name of the greater good, though. So I guess as long as it's done in the name of the greater good, you can pretty much do what you want. We've, we've been nationalizing for a long time with the Federal Reserve. You know, look at yeah, Ireland, right? It's, yeah, industry. but Federal Reserve was a form of nationalizing because they thought, oh, we'll call it federal. That'll make people think it's part of the USA. When it wasn't part of the USA at all. It, like everybody knows it's not federal and there are no reserves. Well, in a, in a sense, it's a reserve. I mean, it does. the word reserve means like, like backup or military. So it kind of, you know, it might be, but I know what you mean. It doesn't have the, you know. Uh, we re and, and, it means we reserve the right to take away anything that you've purchased with our funds. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, anybody else have anything they want to bring up? Otherwise, we just call this a night, I guess. Just a quick little short chat tonight. Like I always say, it comes down to learning who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. As you're deceived on all those things. You're told one thing's going to happen when something else happens. It's just like the names of a lot of the bills <laughs> that are introduced. you got a really happy, nice name to them. And then you find out what it really does. It does the opposite of what the name says. Definitely. All right, guys. Everybody have a good week. Catch you all next week. Yep. And like I said, you know, think about this idea of these chronological patterns. Start looking at these patterns. Um, this can come right down. In fact, I'll say that this can come right down to your own life. Look at major events that have occurred during your life. You know, sit down and write them out on a piece of paper. And start looking at timelines. Is it like every seven years something happens? I noticed for myself a long time ago that every seven years there was a big impact on whatever relationship that I was in, whatever romantic relationship I was in. Um, I had a coworker the other day. She was talking about her birthday. And she's like, you know, something major always happens to me on my birthday. Something devastating always occurs. Mm. And I just listened to her talk kind of smiling inside myself thinking about this chronology idea. So, you know, it, it doesn't 
affect just the earth as a whole or even just countries, but you can even break it down to your own life and you can find patterns there. And when you find patterns there, that's really the best way of predicting the future is from the past. Because like Mark Twain says, it rhymes. And so you can expect, hey, if something happens, for instance, like I said, every seven years, and you kind of keep your ear to the ground, keep your eyes out, you know, for something to occur when like that seven-year marker starts rolling around. And and that way you can start seeing the signs of, of something happen so you don't get blindsided by stuff. It can actually be very useful. And this isn't going into the realms of, being a soothsayer or a fortune teller or anything like that. I think a lot of those things have been demonized because there's aspects of that that you can really use in your life that will benefit you and help you. But, you know, since you've been, it's been demonized and you've been pushed off from, from doing any of those kind of things, then you just kind of throw it away and you think of it as woo woo or whatever. When really the, this is a tool that's been given to you to better yourself. Your past, your circumstances of the past have been a tool to make your future better. I've had people ask me and I've heard other people say, you know, for instance, is there anything, are there things that have happened in your past that you wish had never occurred? Anything that you would change, stuff that you would do a different way. I think we can all think of, you know, several things that, we wished hadn't happened or the things that we had done that we wish we hadn't done. But we also have to realize that everything that has happened to us in our past has made we are today. So yes, your past does have a influence on your present and your future. And we should start paying a little things.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.